Hey, 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 what's good, fam? It's Tuesdays with Tawana. Yes, I am Dr. Tad, your host and your curator for this moment, uh, building community one episode at a time with Tuesdays with Tawana. I am so grateful to be here and a bit um, a bit saddened. Um, I know that this is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you know that I am a breast cancer survivor and thriver. Um, so we we talk about, hey, Angela, good to see you, beloved. Um, so glad you are here. Uh, We know that the month of October raises awareness for breast cancer because breast cancer is so complex. Uh, It's so many different types of breast cancer, different types of therapies, whether it's immunotherapy, targeted therapy, chemotherapy. And for this month, um, because we talk about breast cancer, and let me just let me just keep it 100. It's easier to talk about breast cancer than it is domestic violence. Um, easier, not easy, but it's easier to talk about domestic violence, excuse me, breast cancer awareness than it is domestic violence uh, because of the, the, the causes or the uh, genetics or you know, we don't really place the blame, if you will, on the woman or, or man who is diagnosed with breast cancer. We tend to be a bit more empathetic, um, although with black women, let me just name it before we transition into uh, domestic violence awareness and intimate partner violence awareness, we... Uh, Black women are still dying at 41% higher than white women. We make this comparison because it's a, a simple comparison versus going through all of the BIPOC communities that are dying at a higher rate than white women. But that 41% has teetered between 40 and 41% for at least 20 years. And for all the advances that we have, all of the research that we have shifted to, a lot of these breast cancer support organizations have shifted to uh, research versus uh, supporting the person in treatment, in active treatment, the survivor and the thriver, they have moved to research to continue to find ways so that we might live longer and not only live longer, but live a quality of life that is uh, sustainable and causes us not only to survive, but to thrive. And we got to reduce that number because too many women that look like me are dying. Too many women like me who have 
metastatic breast cancer, which means that it's spread to other areas of the body. And for me, um, it spreads outside of the initial place of diagnosis. So on my left side and my left quadrant is where my cancer was and it spread beyond um, to my lymph nodes and it also uh, spread to my, um, oh gosh, I keep forgetting, it's all these big names, but it's names, it's, it's the pathways to the organs, but it didn't actually man, uh, metastasize to the organ itself. So um, I have been diagnosed from day one with HER2 metastatic breast cancer, and I went from what they thought was stage two, grade three, because of my tumors, to metastatic or stage four breast cancer. So I want to bring that awareness to you today that uh, breast cancer is, is impacting us in so many different ways. And not only the person who is diagnosed, but family members, friends, uh, your, your care team, caregivers, caretakers, so on and so forth. Um, and, and we all have an opportunity to come together in community and to uh, fight this, this heinous disease. Hey, Miss Odessa, so good to see you. Yes, praise God for this moment. I get to, to see a picture of you and your, your words and insert your words into this narrative. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, just pop in on the chat. I will read your chat and insert your voice into this narrative. If you have any questions, you want to share a story, you have any concerns, just do so in the chat and we I will insert that into this communal narrative. So I show up to you today in October with a both and, with both being a breast cancer survivor and thriver and also being a domestic violence survivor. So let's talk about domestic violence for our time together. And let me uh, just allow me to create a space that is sacred because a space of domestic violence, uh, even talking about it, may not be safe. It may not even be safe for me. And I choose to do this to bring awareness so that we can end the, the violence through um, our voice. Uh, our silence keeps the violence going. Our silence does not end the violence. But if we speak about it and we remove the shame by talking about it and really understanding it, because oftentimes it is our ignorance that ends up keeping people in domestic violence relationships, and we don't want that. We want people to live and to thrive. Hey, brother, so good to see you. I love you dearly. Thanks for always joining and supporting your little sis. Um, so my shirt, my shirt says, stop the violence and the silence. 
So when we end the silence, we also diminish the shame um, that comes along with it or the embarrassment or the, uh, the blaming. You know, sometimes uh, as a domestic violence victim, you begin to believe the narrative that is told to you that this is your fault or you are to blame for this. Why didn't you have dinner ready? Or why did you go out with your friends and stay out a little late? Or, you know, whatever. Or it, 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 it could be, you know, why did you make him angry? And I use these binary terms um, because this is my experience. But let me insert um, that domestic violence happens in with children and in the LGBTQ plus beloved community. It, it happens in other communities of color with disparaging numbers uh, that equate to harm and even sometimes um, death. So this conversation, um, one, can be triggering if you are in a domestic violence relationship or you are a survivor. So always the ticker across the top, one, you call 911 if you are in danger right now or whenever you watch this or listen to it when it turns into a podcast call 911. Not going to get into the battle of the police and stuff. That's we'll talk about that later on this month. Or call the domestic violence hotline. Whether you are the one being abused or you're a family member, it will give you guidance and tell you, give you language on how to address this and to keep you and your beloved as safe as possible. So the domestic violence hotline, 1-800-799-7233 or 799-SAFE. Uh, so call the domestic hotline, uh, domestic violence hotline, even if you have questions and you want to know how this works or how can you help your friend or as a, you know, a victim of domestic violence, what do I do to create a safety plan? Hey, my beautiful sister, Tanisha, good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Um, to ask questions about what is a safety plan. There's a whole different language and we're going to explore all of this for the month of October um, because I think it's important for us not to be ignorant to the fact, um, to to the language that's involved, to the actions that that could or should be taken to remain safe and alive, to to inform us so we can take informed actions, we can say informed things and life giving things instead of re victimizing the victim. Also, the I put the suicide hotline up here because words hurt. Words hurt. Uh, being in an abusive relationship hurts. Uh, being blamed for the abusive relationship hurts. 
And sometimes people just want to escape in a way that is harmful to themselves. So if you dial three simple numbers, 988, that's the suicide lifeline. Talk to somebody. Um, talk to somebody about your uh, uh, ideations of suicide or harming yourself or harming others. Uh, this is real talk, beloved. So we are going to have real talk today. And if at any point you need to take a step and take a breath or put it on mute or, or even call the, the hotline yourself to talk about some things and ask some questions, please do that or send me a direct message if it's something you need to share um, that you prefer not to share publicly because not everybody can tell their story publicly the way I am. And it is a risk, and it is a risk that I am willing to take for my beloveds. It is a risk that I am willing to take so that we all might live and not die at the hands of this heinous, heinous act called domestic violence. Tanisha says, sometimes domestic violence and suicide thoughts walk in tandem. Absolutely. You are right on it, Tanisha. And that's why on the ticker, I always put both numbers together because sometimes they're not um, separate. They're not in silos. They're, they actually work hand in hand. They work in tandem, as Tanisha said. And, and we don't want that. We see you and we hear you, and we honor you, and we want to help to keep you and your family safe. And it's unfortunate that uh, in order to be safe, sometimes uh, the victim has to leave their home, sometimes even leaving their children. They have to leave their family. They have to leave neighborhoods and areas that they 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 grew up in and create a whole new community almost a whole new identity that's how serious domestic violence is because domestic violence is about power and control and when someone leaves it takes away the power and control of the abuser or the perpetrator, and it may um, make them even more angry or violent. And so far, so far as to find by any means necessary, you find you to take their power and control back. When we look at the power and control wheel, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later on during the month, but it's it's a cycle. You know, it's one thing to have an argument with someone or to have an altercation. Like I I I was a fighter growing up, um, and uh, it didn't necessarily fall under domestic violence and intimate partner violence because one, it didn't happen in my home. It happened in the streets. I grew up in Harlem and Wagner projects and sometimes it was survival of the fittest, right? But 
the domestic violence and intimate partner violence is this cycle, this this cycle that, um, <laughs> yes, Angela, I wish my niece was here. My niece is here visiting, um, but she had to, to run out um, on an errand. She'll tell you, um, my brother, he better not tell you, he's on this line, but that's how we had to grow up. And now look at God, <laughs> me and my brother, transformed, loving God, loving people, you know, not letting other people's stuff push us to a point of fisticuffs, right? God is amazing. God is a miracle worker. Thank you, God. So the, the power and control wheel is, is a little different from you know, me being on the streets fighting, right? Defending myself or, you know, whatever. Um, power and control. So I'm going to go around in a circle because it's, it's, it's a cycle, right? So everything is fine. Things begin to get tense. Then things become violent. Then there is an apology. And then things are fine. And then things begin to get tense. Things then become violent. So it just keeps going in this circle. It could be every day. It could be once a week. It could be sporadic. It could be, and, and we tend to be a bit forgiving, right? Because we are scared. Talking about victims here. We, we tend to be scared to not forgive um, our abuser or perpetrator, um, we, we, it, it's fearful. So we forgive and we move on and then we hope that they're going to change. Um, we hope that they're going to change. We hope that, uh, Hey, Larry, you better testify. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, boy, y'all about to get me shouting on this, uh, <laughs> on this Tuesdays with Tawana. It's, it's, uh, whew. thank you, God. Thank you, God. So we have this cycle, right? Um, and, and oftentimes during that forgiveness and everything is fine, you are good. You are having dinner with your, you know, your partner or, going to a movie or sitting down, you might be reading sacred text or having a good time. And, and then something will trigger the perpetrator. And then they, their issue of power and control then manifests and then brings the violence into the relationship. So um, and I, I think about uh, this this country we live in, um, and I'm digressing just for a moment. You know, uh, I was watching Corey Bush on The View today, and she is just amazing. She's a beautiful representative out of Missouri. Um, and she said, it's political violence. And then I thought about domestic violence. And the one thing that's missing, we never get to the forgiveness. 
We never get to the flowers in a metaphor for reparations. We never get to let's fix the problem. We never get there. It's just always things never being okay for our black and brown beloveds. Things get tense. Things get violent. They get violent to the point where they'd rather see us out in the street than give another stimulus, or they'd rather um, see us dying at the hands of law enforcement versus police reform. And when we talk about defunding the police, we talk about reallocating those funds for mental health. We, we, we don't talk about what it will take so that we all can live and, and live without dying at the hands of these systemic ills. So it's almost like we're living in domestic violence. We just never get to the I'm sorry and the forgiveness. We never get there because this system wasn't designed for us. So I digressed, had to get that out. Shout out to Representative Cori Bush. I love you. Thank you for telling your story. Thank you for sharing with the world. Her book, I think, is being released either today or this week. Go and support our beloved sister. Um, yeah. So with domestic violence, I want to share something um, with you um, regarding domestic violence and how we respond to domestic violence, because sometimes we just don't know how to respond. We, we can't relate because it's never happened to, to us or we didn't grow up. Like I didn't grow up in a, a violent uh, family. Um, we, we grew up, my brother, we grew up in a very loving home with my mom. My mom was the sweetest, greatest person with a smile that will light up a room as soon as she walked in. Now, let me not paint this perfect picture because uh, when it came to her kids and she had to defend her kids, she she knew how to do that. Um, but anyway, I keep digressing. Um, so I was doing a presentation on uh, domestic violence and actually I'll be unveiling um, a, a book uh, called The Intersectionality of Domestic Violence and Religion. Um, and so I was doing a, 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 a training for a, about domestic violence and religion and how the two meet. And when I talk about intersectionality, I'm very clear about the intersectionality that Kimberly Crenshaw talks about where the oppression meet. So there's oppression in domestic violence and there is oppression in all types of religion where, um, you know, a pastor would tell me, you know, oh, it'll work out or he'll change or it'll be fixed or what did you do to make him so mad or, you know, just words that were not affirming and were not life-giving. So unhelpful things that people may say, um, just leave. Please, beloved, don't ever tell a victim of domestic violence to just leave. First of all, you're diminishing it 
to leaving as something easy. When you say just, that's like, that's the bottom line. One thing you have to do, just leave. You might be signing the death certificate for that person because you cannot or should not leave without a safety plan. And a safety plan might include having a bag packed in a secret place at all times with all of your documents. A safety plan might be having a place to go that the perpetrator or abuser does not know about. I know shelters aren't the best. We got to do better with shelters because some people don't leave because I don't want to live in a a place where it's it's dirty or not giving me support, not giving me the mental support that I need. Um, yeah, we got to do better with support. So some people stay in their home to offer their children or even themselves some semblance of security. As twisted as it may sound, that's the reality. Do I stay in my my home with my backyard and my good school system for my children? Or do I snatch them up and go into a shelter that is dangerous, that doesn't deal with mental health, that doesn't provide the schools in the area are lacking uh, libraries and, and, you know, you know, that we know all that. Right. So just leave is just not something to say to someone who is in a domestic violence relationship. Fight back. Again, you just might be signing that person's death certificate because the more you fight back, the more you are taking that power, trying to take that power and control or taking that power and control away from that person. And it incites more anger. And it incites anger to the point where I'm going to do anything um, by any means necessary to get my power back. Um, He'll change. We don't know that unless he wants to change and says that I need help. And this is where I need my my brothers to come in and step in and, 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 and to be safe, but to talk to brothers about you know, putting their hands on a woman or children or this power and control and getting the help that they need. And we know that in many communities of color and BIPOC communities, therapy can be taboo. You know, I'm not talking to nobody about my problems. You can't tell me what to do. You don't know me. And then we end up stuck in this domestic violence situation. Don't say things like, well, I would never let a man, nigga, blah, put their hands on me, blah, blah, blah. That's not helpful. It's not helpful. It just re-victimizes the person and it, it builds and, and it, 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 it affirms shame and guilt onto that person. Not a good thing to say. Um, oh, he's so nice and charming. See, domestic violence perpetrators are very manipulative. So the whole world, whether you're a politician, a teacher, a community person, or a maintenance for you work and you live in a community and people think that you are just the best man since sliced bread because violence is done in the dark, which is why we have to talk about it to shed light on this situation and call out 
these abusers who are doing these things behind closed doors. Um, and then when they come out into the light, oh, everything is fine. Everything is wonderful because I'm just the perfect person. Uh, Tanisha said, and we as sisters need to hold one another accountable as well. Keep your hands to yourself and mind your words. Women can be um, abusers too. Absolutely. And let me um, reiterate um, the fact that I am speaking from my context, but women can be abusers and, and men, unfortunately, don't step up. And, and say, so these numbers that we talk about, one in four women, one in seven men, that's only those who report. It's only those who report. Um, so it, it does, um, and even with the same gender-loving community, so these stories can easily transfer to those communities and to women being abusers as well. So even though I'm using this binary language, thank you, Tanisha, make sure that we um, we can substitute that with a preacher, a person in power, a husband, a wife, a spouse, an intimate partner, all of those things. They have they have the propensity to be abusers as well. Um, asking the, the victim, what did you do? No, we, we don't do that. Um, you shouldn't have done that or worse yet. I don't believe you because he or she is so nice in public, such a wonderful person, works hard, has a great job. You got a great home, all of the, the, um, the things on the outside, the you know, material things that we see, but we don't see the physical and emotional and psychological and financial and spiritual abuse and sexual abuse that's going on behind the doors. So as we close, I want to offer this to you. Here are some things that we can say. These are things that we can say when we find that someone is a victim of domestic violence or intimate partner violence. I hear you. And then we listen deeply without judgment. I see you. And you are a human being. You are more than enough. You are divine. You don't deserve this. You are worthy. This is not your fault. I don't care how bad of a person I am. I do not, do not deserve anyone degrading me, demeaning me, dehumanizing me. Help me, support me, journey on this healing road with me. You are not the blame. I have some resources for you. Here's the domestic violence hotline. Call while you're at work or when you're safe or when he steps out 
and then delete the number from your phone. See, these are things that we have to think about to keep us safe. Clear your browser. If you go onto the hotline.org, which is the domestic violence hotline online, you can clear your cache, clear your browser. Be safe. Can you safely seek help for your safety? I believe you. I'm not judging you. I I feel you. I'm with you. And whatever I can do to help you to keep us safe, I am willing to do that. Because you are worthy. You are more than worthy to be honored as the queen or king, beloved, that you are. You do not deserve to be beaten, to be shamed, to be controlled in any way. Sexual violence happens intimately. If I say no and I'm your partner, I still mean no. And if you decide to force yourself upon me, that's intimate violence, sexual, violent sexual assault. It is real. It happens. So let us be affirming and let us reflect on this time together. Next week, we'll talk a bit more about domestic violence and the systems that um, aren't necessarily helpful and what can we do to change the system. Because remember, we're building community one episode at a time. We're not going to wait for the government to build um, state-of-the-art shelters. We're not. That's what we're not going to do. We have the opportunity and the resources to make sure that these victims of domestic violence walk away safe, safely, and we provide the help the mental help, emotional help, spiritual help that they need so that they can become whole. I'll leave you with this. Audrey Lord says, pain is unscrutinized. Suffering is unscrutinized pain. That means pain that we don't face, pain that we don't acknowledge, pain that we don't try to address, pain that we don't try to heal. So we're not trying to suffer. Suffering is just not in our DNA. It is not in our communities. We will not suffer at the hands of abusers. We will deal and acknowledge this pain. And then we will carefully and divinely figure out how to walk through this thing and to leave in a way that is safe, that doesn't cause harm, that is life-giving. Hey, Kurt, so good to see you. I'm glad you are on. I love you dearly. So blessings to you, uh, and we'll, we'll continue to journey together on healing through Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Intimate Part partner violence awareness. Be safe. I love you dearly. And I'll see you next week. I'm out.